Um, and uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing. I'm, I want to I want to highlight some of them for you. Uh, again, you you know that we're in Isaiah chapter six, um, and we're doing pretty much the whole not pretty much we're doing the whole chapter uh, uh, of Isaiah or uh, uh, chapter six. But I, I want to just highlight a few um, verses for you. Isaiah chapter six verse one says, "In the king in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord." Seated on a high and lofty throne. I'm sorry, I'm reading from the TSB. It's, it's the same, same thing. It's just, it reads a little differently. It's still God's word. Um, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Verse number three, and one called to another, talking about the seraphim, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. Verse five, then I said... Based off what I've experienced, I said, woe is me, for I am ruined because I am a man of unclean lips. And I live among a people. Pastor Haman almost preached my sermon uh, earlier, but uh, I'm going to keep going anyway. Uh, I live among a people of unclean lips. And because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. Verse 8, then I heard a voice of the Lord asking, who should I send? Who will go for us? Isaiah's response is this, here am I, send me. Verse 13, though a tenth will remain in the land, it will be burned again. Can I skip down just a little bit in verse 13 still? The holy seed is a stump. I'm going to break it down all for us today, but y'all already got my title, and I'm going to just say it again so it hits you. Hopefully the Lord does something this time. I'm going to tag this text in our exchange, a life-changing encounter. A life-changing encounter. Let me pray now. Father, we thank you and we bless you for the opportunity that is ours to not just give thanks to you, not for you to hear us, but now we want to hear from you. Lord, speak through me. I'm a mere man who is in need of a powerful God. Give me clarity of mind, concision of speech, and conviction of heart to tell the truth. Have your way now. Hide me behind Calvary's cross that they may see you and no one else. Be gracious to your servant now, Lord. I've done the preparation, but that means nothing if you don't give me preaching power. I can hear a favorite preacher of mine say, do what you will with me. Be reckless without my permission. Make foul the ground of the heart. Uproot some things that have been planted in our own lives, Lord, so that we can plant healthy seed. That seed may be watered. That seed gets sun. But we also also know and ultimately know that you give the increase. So, Lord, for those who have been watered and the sun has shone on them, would you give increase in their life? Not material things. Would you reveal yourself to them? 
that they grow in a way that reflects your goodness and your care to your people. I'm taking long on this prayer on purpose, Lord, because we need to talk to you in this day and age. But we don't just need to talk to you. You don't just need to hear our voice. We need to hear from heaven. And I pray now that you would use this little Easter sermon to help us hear from heaven. Be glorified and praised and honored in this day and with our lives, we pray. Pray all these things in Jesus' name and every glad heart said, amen. 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 A life-changing encounter. Uh, $103 billion. (laughs) That's that's the response I was looking for. It's, it's, It's a lot of money. Can you imagine having that kind of money? Some of us don't even know the first stop we would make if we had that type of money. Others of us who are planners, we say, oh, I know where I'm going. But a man by the name of Warren Buffett, one of the richest men alive, is his net worth is $103 billion. And the NBA fans in here, you know that one of the greatest NBA players just knocked on a billion's door. Just imagine a hundred of those. <laughs> and, and, and Warren Buffett is no, or, or is by no means of the stretch of the imagination, one of the, the first richest men, nor will he be the last. In fact, there are countless rulers and kings, not just in our day, but also in the Bible days. And I want to I highlight a king to you that we see here in our text. It's King Uzziah. Y'all don't mind going with me to, to kind of figure out who this man is. Well, let's, let's, let's do it. First, I mean, Second Chronicles, of course, chapter 26, verse 1 says, All the people of Judah took Uzziah, uh, who was 16 years of age. And he took the place as king for or from his father. And while he was king, he rebuilt and restored Judah. He did what was right in the Lord's eyes, the scripture says. In verse 5 of that same chapter, it says that he sought God throughout his lifetime. During the time that he sought the Lord, the Lord granted him great success. Y'all could tell already that Uzziah was a man of God who sought God and God honored him seeking him. Great gave him great success. Can I tell you a little bit more about his success? He, he waged war against the Philistines, and he tore down walls in Gath, and, and, and he defeated so many. God helped him with these things. The Amorites paid tribute to Uzziah. His fame spread throughout the entrance of Egypt. This is powerful what the scripture says. For God made him very powerful. 
I'm getting somewhere, I promise. Uzziah built towers in Jerusalem at the corner gates and at the valley gates. He fortified them. Said in verse 13, under their authority, he had 307,500 equipped men in his army. Uzziah provided not just the people, but he provided them shields and he provided them spears and helmets and armor and bows and sling stones. But it's crazy what, what happens in in 2 Chronicles, it, it, it takes a turn. Verse 15, uh, the B part of that says, so his fame spread even to the distant places, for he was wondrously helped until he became strong. Verse 16 says, but when he became strong, he grew arrogant. I'm sure you know some people in position now that have become arrogant, but when you met them on the corner, before they got that position, they, they were humble. But as soon as they got the power, something grew up in them and they became arrogant. That's what's happening here. Uzziah became arrogant, though God was the one who was giving him strength. And this led him, because of his arrogance, it led him to his destruction. He acted unfaithfully uh, against the Lord. He, he actually went into the sanctuary and he burned incense at the altar. Wasn't his role, but he went in there and did it anyway because he felt like he was a king. But I'm so glad that when and if you put yourself in community, there are some people who are around you who will challenge you. The question is, what do you do when you're challenged? There were some priests here in this time who came against Uzziah. And what happened is Uzziah didn't listen to the wise counsel that the priests were giving him. So the Lord saw this and he said, you know what? If you're not going to see my grace and my power in giving you strength, and you're also not going to take the wisdom of those around you, I'm going to make sure you see me. So he struck him with a plague. He got a disease. It broke out all over his skin and on his forehead, and he was, he was ill. Now, some of us quarantine still to this day, and I'm, I'm not mad at you. I, I, I agree. I think you should quarantine. This man had a reason to quarantine. Some of us quarantine from church, and ain't nothing wrong with us. I ain't talking to y'all because y'all came to church. Maybe those online, I'm not going to look at them, but those online, you still, you still ain't come in this building yet. But you're at the mall. Did I step on somebody's toes? I'm, I'm sorry. You, you, you're hanging out with your friends. You, you went to that nice place that had those drinks. You went to brunch on Sunday rather than coming to church. Here, Uzziah had a reason to quarantine. You ain't got no reason. You ain't got COVID. You, you're healthy, but yet you still won't come into God's house. That's just a side note for that sermon. I, it ain't got really nothing to do with this sermon right now. But, but, but verse 21 of, 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 of 2 Corinthians uh, Chronicles chapter, chapter uh, 26, it, it, it says this, But Uzziah 
had a serious skin disease and, and was excluded from the temple. Now, the prophet Isaiah wrote the rest of these events. Uzziah's reign from the beginning to the end. Uzziah's reign ending is not just significant for Isaiah. It's the turning point for Israel. Do you see it here? That it's not just an isolated event. You know, some of these prophets and preachers and teachers, get ex, they get exalted and it looks like only they are benefited from it. But the flock is suffering. Here, what we see is there's a change in the direction. But watch this. It doesn't just bless Isaiah. Yes, Isaiah is the one who's in the room, but Isaiah has something to do now. He has a mission <laughs> for the people. Y'all still quiet. I thought y'all was going to get it after the last time I was here. It's okay. <laughs> this is the turning point. Yes, for, I, for Israel, but it is a turning point for Isaiah. He's going to be a changed man. Now, the question is, what is Isaiah experiencing? Y'all ask all the right questions. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I, I hope y'all ready for this. Isaiah experiences the holiness of God. <laughs> now, some of y'all, some of y'all won't get excited about that. But some of us who have experienced the holiness of God. You, you get a little more excited. It's okay. It's okay. By the end of the sermon, hopefully, you have an understanding. Okay? Look at verse 1. I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. I gave myself a clock just in case, because last time y'all said no clock, but I'm going to get out of here on time. You ready? Did, 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 when I read that, verse 1, did, 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 did it move you? Did, did you feel it? Can you put yourself in the, in the sphere of what's happening for Isaiah? <laughs> Here it is. Isaiah can't just be in the presence of God and not acknowledge God's glory. Here's my first point. I got first, one of three. Here it is. God's holiness demands acknowledgement. It's in the text, I promise. I promise. Context is important. And, and so... So I want you to remember that Isaiah um, has not experienced this before. This is, this, is, this is different. I don't know if you know, but the, these moments are, 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 are rare. Not, not everybody gets to be in the actual presence of God. We, we look at it now and we, we can say, man, I can experience God at my home. When the song got good, I experienced God. But back then, this, this, is, this is different. Not everybody was allowed into the temple. And even if you were allowed into the temple, you weren't even allowed into the Holy of Holies. There was levels to this. <laughs> not, not everybody could, could get into the actual presence of God. Watch this. And even those who were, this ain't even in my text, but this ain't even in my, uh, my sermon, but watch this. Even those who were allowed in there, they had to be tied to make sure that if they went in, that they would make it out. I want you to, that's what I'm saying. Listen, we got to be better Bible readers. We got to know the context of Isaiah being in the presence of God and not being struck down. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll get to that later. Here, here it is. Here, here. Isaiah is observing 
all the things that's around him. I, I, I honestly believe that Isaiah was probably overwhelmed by what he's experiencing. Now, I also want you to remember, we said context is, is, is important, that, that Judah's king, Israel's king, has just died. And they're experiencing turmoil because their king has died. Now, we don't look at our kings or we don't have really kings. We have presidents and, and leaders. We don't look at our leaders like that. If our leaders die, we like, feel bad. for I'll pray for the family. There's another one coming. But, but for them, you have to understand that, that their king did a lot for them to even make it in life. Um, their, their king has died and they're, they're suffering because of it, but, but watch this. What's also true is that there is a true king who still sits on the throne. Though their earthly king died, there was still a risen king. There's, there's a high and lifted king who still sits on the throne. Okay. But they, 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 can't, they can't see it yet. Let, let me, I think sometimes we, we skip by stuff so fast. So let, let, me, let me explain something to you. Verse 1, he talks about the first thing he sees is the Lord seated on a throne. Can, can, I, can I help you with this, this throne thing? I, I want to I get down to the nitty gritty just, just for a moment. Here, here, here it is. Um, you, you, you're really not going to respect a throne until you hear the, the intentionality it took for them to create their throne. So I knew I knew y'all 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 would want to hear it. So I put it in I put it in my sermon. Here 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 here, here it is. Um, Second Chronicles chapter nine. It, th- this is what went into King Solomon's throne. It says uh, the king also made a large ivory throne. He overlaid it with pure gold. The throne had six steps. Now now don't don't like these these are, it's only two steps here. Now imagine six, like six steps. And those steps have gold on it too. Now we talk about real gold, okay? I want y'all to stay with me, right? Um, they, they, oh, the, 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 the footstool in which he put his filthy, dirty, rusty, crusty toes on had gold on it too. I mean, a footstool. Like some of us treat our footstools like, as long as it's fluffy and it's good, we good, right? This man said, no, 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 mm-mm, mm-mm. I don't want just anything. I want my seat to be gold. I want the floor I walk on to be gold. I want the footstool that I put my dusty feet on after I take my sandals off. I want that to be gold too. But not only that, he said, it says that on each step, those, there were two lions also covered in gold on those steps. And next to his chair was another two lions that was pure gold. I just, I'm trying to help y'all see the throne. I just, I just want you to, I want you to see the throne. Okay, okay. Now, here's another one. Since that didn't get y'all, we could go to the modern day. Last year, y'all remember all the trials that was happening, right? Um, You know, in a trial, what you see, you see the defendant, you see the prosecutor, you see the people in the back, you don't never really see uh, the, the, what do you call it, the jury. You don't never really see that because they try to protect them. No, no, I understand. I get it. I get it. But, but usually, most of the time, 
Um, if it's not on the defendant or the prosecutor and, and, and their side, it's on that dude who, or, or a woman who sits on that big old chair. Yeah. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, now, now, I'm not mad at an executive chair. They cost a lot of money, but they, you know, the judge sits on that chair and they lean back and they, they think they judging justly, <laughs> right? They, they, get to, they get to determine what, what we listen to, what we don't listen to. You know how they be, you know, uh, scratch that. You can't use that. And, and they think that they're doing this because they're just. But they sit in big old thrones. They sit in high and lofty chairs. Actually, if you look at them, their position is higher than everybody else in the room. The, the jury still is lower, even though they're making the decision. But the judge sits high in his, in his throne. And they th- he thinks he's or she is judging justly. But my, my Bible says in Psalms chapter 9, verse 8, when we have a God who is a true judge, who judges justly. But, but why does he judge justly? Because he himself is justice and is righteousness. So whoever sits in that courtroom that you have to look at on your defense, watch this. He don't judge justly. You got a God who judges justly. All right, you didn't like that, that, that one. But there, there are leaders and potentates that, that have thrones. It might not be as big. But the White House has a throne where that big oval in the big oval office they sit at that at that desk and and and, and there's some presidents I don't agree with not at all. <laughs> some ones I'm glad they're out of office. Amen. Praise God. But but, but they sit in their throne as if they run everything. Okay, here here, here it is. I, I'm probably not gonna get no amens on this. There's a throne that a lot of us share. Actually, all of us share. It's the throne of our hearts. And a lot of us don't put God there. We put ourselves there. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is there's a lot of thrones. There, there's, there's thrones that are gold. There's, there's thrones that, 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 that are, 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 ki- are for kings. There's thrones that are for leaders and potentates. There's thrones for ourselves that we create. Now, here's the thing with the throne. Now that you have imagery of all the thrones, you can take all those thrones and throw them away because their thrones up against God's throne doesn't even matter. (laughs) Why why, why doesn't it matter? Because God's throne is higher than ours. It's holier than ours. Our thrones don't stand a chance against God. But what happens to Isaiah is whatever throne he experienced before this throne was null and void because he realizes that the throne that our God sits on is greater than everything. I'm just talking about the throne. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm talking about the throne, but, but in case you, you, you're a little confused, it's never about the throne. It's about the one who occupies the throne. <laughs> if God was standing in the temple, it would just be as holy. If he decided to sit Indian style on the floor, it would be just as holy. It's never about the material thing in which he sits on. I'm just trying to help you see that some people put their time and effort into a throne. But what I'm telling you is no, none of that matters because if God is not sitting on the throne, it's worthless. 
Um, before I get any further, let me raise the question one more time. Who sits on the throne of your heart? Now, I want you to ask yourself that this week. Who sits on the throne of your heart? Not only does, I'm getting out of, out of the way with the, with the throne thing. Not only does he mention a throne, but, 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 but we move and he says, the hem of his robe, or, or the train of his robe, fills the temple. Notice it said, the hem filled the temple. Which points to the fact that the temple can't even contain all of God. <laughs> so, some of your leaders can, can sit in this room. If, if God, all of God's glory rests here, we would be destroyed. If the president came in here, you all stand up. What's interesting, and this is getting ahead of myself, but but, but what's interesting, when you're in the presence of God, you you don't have that disposition. You might try to stand up. (laughs) Let let me move. It says says his robe filled the temple. Where else in in Scripture do we see the temple? Jesus says, who touched me? Peter, Peter, Peter stands up real quick. You know, Peter, he's that man. He stands up. He says, Master, he says, the crowd is pressing against you. What you mean who touched you? Everybody is standing around. It's, it, it's bad out here. They, they even trampling people over. It, of course somebody touched you. They rubbed up against you. And Jesus says, someone touched me. He said, he said and the reason why I know somebody touched me is some power left me. <laughs> Here it is. Even though Isaiah can see or can't see God's face, there's enough power in his hymn. <laughs> there's enough power in the hymn of God that can heal any disease. There's enough power in the hymn. <laughs> y'all, 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 y'all will get it one day. Sometimes, sometimes we want all of God and you you know what you you can't take all of him but but what he'll do is he'll give you some glimpses of himself and and then you can walk away and say man I've experienced God in his fullness I didn't get a piece of God he gave me all of him but he he didn't really reveal it in the way it's almost as if he showed me a peak <laughs> and I walk differently <laughs> I talk differently because I've encountered okay Y'all still slow. It's all right. Isaiah doesn't just acknowledge God. Look, look, look what also happens. Verse 2, the seraphim were standing above him. <laughs> and they had six wings each. With two of them, they covered their faces. Two of them, they covered their feet. And two of them, they flew. Verse 3, and one called to another. I love this part. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. This is, this is deep. <laughs> Though the seraphim, these angels, are created to be in the presence of God, they still humble themselves by covering their faces. You, you, you missed it. You, you missed it. We, these, these, 
the Lord created these seraphim for no other reason. They, they were never going to be here with us. That was never their intent. He always made them to be in the presence of God. And so if you know, or in making something, you, you, you make it to weather whatever storm it's in. You, you want to make it accustomed to whatever environment it's in. Y'all with me? You, you, don't, you don't take an umbrella um, to, in the snow. I mean, eventually it starts to weigh down, but you, you have an umbrella in rain. Yeah. You, you don't, you're not going to have shorts on in the wintertime. Now, now, there's some hues that, that can do it. But when I'm looking out here in this room, we ain't going to have no shorts on in the wintertime. Th those things aren't made for that condition. God made the seraphim to be in the presence of God. But their disposition though they are made to be in the presence, is I still have to humble myself. If the created being that was made to be with God can humble themselves, why can't you? Why, why, why we think we always better than somebody else? Why, why we think we, we, don't, we don't need to do those things? But 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 they they cover. Here's here's another thing that I, I actually just saw uh, this week. It, it, it's they had six wings, and two were to cover their faces, two were to cover their feet, but two were to fly. Doctor Evans says that two that the four of them were to worship God, but the two of them were to work. We think that when worship happens, that there's no work. You're created to work. But you're created to worship while you work. Some of us, on the other end, we work and never worship. The Lord says, here's a principle I'll give you. You need to work and worship. That's why I said it the few weeks I was here. I will bless the Lord at all. All in Greek, Hebrew, and any other language you want to put it in. The definition of all is all. <laughs> Let me move. But, but they covered their face. And the next part they said, holy, holy, holy. I like this part. This, this, this is the part that, that, that gets me going. Here, here it is. Um, in the Hebrew text, there, there is what we call a, a superlative. Superlative just means um, it, it's, it's, the, it's the word twice. Here's an example, right? Uh, 2 Kings chapter 25, verse 15, it, it, it says um, pure gold. But its, it's translation can literally mean gold, gold. It's just a way in which we explain it being not just it in its in its simple form, but it's 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 rich. It, it has some depth to it. It, it 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 it's not just the average thing. And so that's what they call a superlative. So you see that in, in Second Kings. You also see uh, see it in in, in Genesis chapter fourteen. It's, it says uh, full of tar pits, or or, or it could be pits pits. 
So, so here, notice, it, it doesn't just say holy, holy. It, it says holy, holy, holy. Which means it's not a superlative, it's a super superlative. Now, y'all looking at me funny because y'all don't know that they had to make a super superlative, and this is the one and only time they made this and gave it its definition. Because it's not just gold, gold. You missed it. It, it. It's, if I wanted to explain, I have a gold ring on, you would say, I have a gold ring. Some of us have carrots and all that. So I would say, ooh, that's gold, gold. That's, that's a little bit more money to it. You, you know what I'm saying? But, 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 so the category is, all right, it's gold. Then there's another category that says, oh, that's gold, gold. But there's another category that they had to create because it didn't fit in either category. God's too big to fit in the small little, ooh, it's gold. But he's also still too big to fit in the, ooh, it's gold, gold. So they had to say, I'll give it another definition. And it's a super superlative. And they says, I'll say, holy, holy, holy. Because he's in a category and a definition all by himself. <laughs> and, and, and if I had a few witnesses, you would say he's in a class all by himself. If you got God, you don't need nobody else. And, and, and so here, here's, here's something else I want to share with you. Not only is it a super superlative, but when you're saying it, you should have a different disposition. Can, can, can I share with you the disposition? You should start off, sometimes some of us start off here, we say holy. But when you start to experience it, you say holy. You get to the third one, you say holy. Why? Why? Because you're so blown away that sometimes in the first holy, you just say, man, based off of what I've been going through, Lord, you're holy. I know it. I know it. I know it. Lord, you're holy. But then after a while, you just start saying, man, Lord, you really are. You're really holy. Woo. Woo. You know, you, you get your feet get light a little bit. And, and then after a while, you say, Lord, ooh, Lord, you're, you really are. Woo. You really are holy. I, I, I don't deserve it. And, and sometimes you get out of just saying one word and you start saying, Lord, man, you're, you're more than holy. You're, you're awesome and you're wonderful. And you start to speak well of your God. And you say, man, Lord, if it had not been for you on my side, I don't know where I'd be. Actually, you know what? I had a thought. I know where I would have been. <laughs> but I'm so glad you snatched me out of it. And that's why I get to sit. I, I, I'm not standing here. I'm laying here saying, Lord, you're holy because I've acknowledged that you are who you say you are. He says, he says, he says, notice the seraph, seraphim saying, you ain't just holy. You ain't just holy, holy. You're a super superlative. You're holy, holy, holy. Uh, let, let me let me move here not only does Isaiah respond or acknowledge God not only does the seraphim acknowledge God but watch this verse verse four what does it say the foundation and the door shook at the sound 
of their voices. <laughs> and the temple filled with smoke. Here's something beautiful. If you don't give God thanks, the thing, everything else that he created will. Uh, the old preacher would say, the trees bend, giving him glory. <laughs> the wind blows, <laughs> giving him glory. The birds chirp, giving him glory. The, 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 the beasts of the field run and walk and kill for his glory. <laughs> the bees pollinate for his glory. I'm just waiting for people to realize that these are things that don't have the breath of God, but yet they give him glory. And the thing that has the breath of God can't even give him thanks. God, give us a church that would thank you as if we actually have the breath of God in us. <laughs> Says creation responds and acknowledges him. Not only does Isaiah acknowledge God, God's holiness, um, but Isaiah also acknowledges himself. You missed it. When you're in the presence of God, you don't just acknowledge God. You got to acknowledge you. And the problem is some of us acknowledge ourselves as if we're on the same level as God. Isaiah says, I'm not a fool. He says, verse 5, woe is me. He says, I am ruined. <laughs> I, I, I got some seasoned saints in here, so I know y'all read the King James Version. He says, I am undone. Sometimes King James, it just reads better. Don't you? You, you, you feel the weight of it. Because some of us, we really believe that we... We're the, we're the best thing that God ever created. But when you're in his presence, there is a disposition, and I keep saying this word, but there's a disposition that you should have that, Lord, I'm not even worthy to be here. That's what Isaiah experienced. He says, woe is me, for I am a man. I, I have unclean lips. I don't want you to miss this. When Isaiah is in the presence of God's holiness, he is met with his humility and maturity. And watch this. This isn't the first time we see this displayed. Can I give y'all a few? Yes. Gideon in, in Judges chapter 6, verse 22, he says, Oh no, Lord God, I have seen the angel of the Lord's face to face. His disposition is acknowledgement, and I am unworthy. Job chapter, 20, uh, chapter 42, verse 5, he says, my eyes have seen you. I reject my words, and I am sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. I'll give you a few more. Luke chapter 5, verse 8, Simon Peter experiences God's holiness and says, it says, he fell to the feet of Jesus. He said, Lord, go away from me because I am a sinful man. I'll give you one more since y'all asking for it. Revelation chapter 1 verse 17 says this, when I saw him, I fell at his feet. 
like a dead man. The appropriate response to God's holiness, his presence, and his glory should be, woe is me. Is that your disposition to God? Or do you come arrogant to the one who has sustained you and kept you? Some of us look at the passage that says, come boldly to the throne of grace. And we think that we should come as if we deserve to be there. <laughs> Verse 5b says, I live among people of unclean lips. Because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of armies. It's often thought here that Isaiah changes his thought process. He becomes more pastoral and parental in the moment. And that may be so, and, and I do know, uh, what I do know is that Isaiah, uh, uh, we can learn something from him. He makes a healthy evaluation of himself, but watch this, he also makes a healthy evaluation of his surroundings. A lot of us want to change, but we don't never change what we're around. Because he has seen the king, the Lord Almighty Isaiah acknowledges God is set apart from anything and everything that I ever knew. He says in verse 5, I am unclean. His hands, uh, or this, this, this hands down is one of my favorite parts of this chapter. It says in verse 6, like I said, uh, or in verse 6, it says, Then the seraphim flew to me. In his hand, he had a glowing coal that he had taken from the altar with tongs, he touched my mouth and said, now that this has touched your lips, I love this part, your iniquities are removed. Your sin is atoned for. I love this because it's an act of God's grace. (laughs) Now, this is not the first act of God's grace in this text. Because the moment Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, the Lord could have struck him down right there. He's been giving him grace this entire time so that he can experience God. But not just experience God for himself. Because I told you, this is an encounter that's going to change him. And what he's getting ready to experience is something that's mind-blowing. Let's keep moving. He's not only gracious, but God says, I'll give you a glimpse, and now I'm going to purify you. I'm not just going to let you be in my presence and stay the way you are. I'm going to clean you up so that you're ready for what I'm about to call you to. Here it is. Let me keep moving. Hmm. Uh, uh, Because in order to be used by God, you have to be cleansed. There has to be iniquities removed and sin atoned for. There has to be a cleansing. The people who say they are Christian and love God, 
but never change, there's a big problem. And some of you may say, man, you know, but there's grace. There's grace for that. Yes. And I would agree. I, I, I would agree. But, but do we continue in this, that grace may abound? May it never be. There has to be some change. Too often we repent of our sin or better yet, we acknowledge our brokenness, but we never go through the steps of being cleansed. There's a story of an uh, a old man who every Sunday, uh, just about every Sunday, would get up and pray. And at the end of his prayer, the conclusion of his prayer, he would always say, Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life. Lord, we thank you for blessing us and keeping us. Now, Lord, clean the cobwebs out of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Say every time he prayed. And there was a member in the audience that had a relationship with him. And they knew. They said, man, he always prayed that, but he ain't never changing. So he got up the next Sunday. He, he prayed. He you know, people was with him. It was like, yeah, amen, yeah, praise God. And at the end, as he was concluding, he said, God, clean the cobwebs out of my life. And that member stood up and said, and Lord, kill the spider too. <laughs> Here it is. We want to deal with the cobwebs, but we don't want to deal with the thing that's creating it. <laughs> Repentance says, I'm not just going to acknowledge that I'm wrong. I'm going to turn away from it. Can I get a few people who will be honest and say, I had to turn away from some stuff. I had to let it go. I couldn't call him no more. I couldn't call her no more. I couldn't even go to the club with them no more. I had to let some things alone, and I'm glad I did it because now I can see that the cobwebs are gone, but the spider is dead too. He says, he says, he says, I got to clean some things up. I don't got to just clean. You, you don't have to just be cleansed. You, you, you don't have to just acknowledge me, but you got to be cleansed. You have to be changed, and you have to be cleaned. Paul says, may grace may, should we continue in sin that grace may be? May it never be. Absolutely not. What we see here is, one, God demands, his holiness demands acknowledgement, but two, his, his holiness demands active obedience. I'm going to move through this really quickly. Here it is. Then I heard a voice of the Lord asking, who will I send? Who will go for us? You understand that Isaiah has no idea. I want you to understand that Isaiah has no idea of what he's getting ready to agree to. And yet, without hesitation, Isaiah's response is, here I am, send me. God didn't give him details. He didn't give him specifics. He didn't say what car you drive. He didn't say what land you go to. He just said, I need somebody to go for me. And guess what Isaiah says? Send me. <laughs> Some of us need to have a send me mentality. We want to know every detail of every plan. 
Why we got to give? Why, why we got to go to Sunday school? Why we got to do life groups and Bible study? Why, why, why? And if people read their Bible, you would see why. <laughs> I'm going to move. I'm going to move. Um, let me, I'm, I'm going to skip all that. I'm skipping. I'm skipping. Let, 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 let me, let me implore, implore you to take some notes from, Isaiah, from the book of Isaiah. That, that there, there is a response that you should have of God's holiness. God is asking him. He's, 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 he's giving him an opportunity to, to step up to the plate. And Isaiah says, here I am. Send me, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. Let's steward the moment well. And he, he, here, here, here it is. Saying yes is not always easy. But it's necessary. Saying yes to God is not always how we planned it to be. But it's necessary. Isaiah, Isaiah's call is not easy. Verse 9, it says, Go, say to these people, keep listening, but do not understand. Keep looking, but do not perceive. Make, uh, make the minds of the people dull. Defend, uh, uh, deafen their ears and blind their eyes. Can you imagine Isaiah's face right now? He's hearing that he has to tell these people, God is good, he's gracious, but they're not going to be moved by it. They won't celebrate God's care and goodness. They're actually going to walk away. This is hard for the preachers in the room because we get out, we, we, we get up Sunday after Sunday, week after week, and we didn't planned and prepared. Now just imagine God calling you to people who won't listen. That you would have to do a funeral of a person whose soul was never saved. The Lord says, Isaiah, go do that. (laughs) There's significance here in this verse. He says, keep listening, which is an outward thing, but do not understand. He said they're going to hear it, but it's never going to penetrate their hearts. That's tough. Being and dwelling with people that you love, but they'll never come to Christ. As a pastor and teacher, we, we would be foolish to think that Sunday after Sunday, there weren't people in this very room who hear God's word, but it never gets to their heart to be changed. Here's, here's what he has to do regardless is he has to go and do what God is telling him to do. He has to do judgment. Now, 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 here it is. If I left the sermon here at this part, man, y'all are probably like, what is wrong with this? I'm, don't, Pastor Heyman, Pastor, Pastor Benson, don't you bring that boy back here ever again. But here's the, here's the thing. I just, just got to preach God's word. It's in, it's in his word. But here it is. I'm glad that there's a glimpse of hope, though. Because, look, like, look, I want y'all to see it. Like, literally, he says, I'm going to deafen their ears. They're not going to hear anything. Verse 10. He says, verse 11, it's going to be even wet. I'm going to ruin some things. 
I'm going to destroy something. I'm going to drive some people out. Then 13 says, like literally, this is the end of, the, 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 of chapter 6. He says, and I'm going to burn some stuff. I'm going to burn it down. And then the last line, the holy seed will be the stump. Wait, 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 wait. It, it says, it says like an oak, he's going to burn it. Then it says, and, and when it burns, it's going to leave a stump. When it fell. And the holy seed is the stump. I, I, one, one more, one, one, one more time. I, I just want you to see it, right? He says, verse 10, I'm destroying. Their ears will be deaf. They're going to have clogged ears. And, and ain't no wax treatment going to fix it. Then it says, I'm going to ruin it. All the inhabitants will be, will be destroyed. It's going to be a desolate place. Then he says, 13, the last verse in, verse, in chapter 6, then I'm going to burn some stuff. And, and, and uh, the trees are going to fall. They're going to be burned down. But I'm going to leave a stump. And the holy seed is the stump. <laughs> God, give me a church that will celebrate the glimpses of hope that we see in the text. I, I, I'm, I'm closing. I got so much stuff I, I could share with you. But, but here it is. I, I mentioned a man in the beginning of my sermon. Who, who was the man? Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, uh, <laughs> he, he, again, is worth one point, I mean, uh, $103 billion. But, but he said something that's very interesting. He said someone sitting in the shade today is because someone planted a tree long ago. You missed it. Sometimes God could use those who don't even claim him. Give them wisdom and, and you just take it. One more time. Someone sitting in the shade today because someone planted a tree years ago. That means the tree provides something for them to block the hot sun. Got you again. I'm closing my Bible now. That means I'm really done. You don't know that that stump is made out of wood. You don't even know that you would benefit from wood. <laughs> you would benefit from that tree, which is the material is wood. One more time. You are benefiting. You're getting the shade. Because of a tree. But it ain't a tree that stands tall. That gives you shade because of the sun. There's a different heat that was coming after you. And another tree was cut down so that a man can go up it. Come here. A man that 42 generations would come through. And he would suffer under Pontius Pilate. He would be born of a virgin Mary conceived by the Holy Spirit. I'm doing the Apostles' Creed if you don't see it. <laughs> would, would be criticized. <laughs> would be talked about. Would be spit upon. All so that you and I can benefit from a tree. 
<laughs> Here it is. Saints of God, if you can't celebrate for nothing else in this text, celebrate that God left a stump. That is the holy tree. That one day it will be cut down and the Savior of the world will go up that tree. Now, he wouldn't go up. They would put him on a tree. They would put nails in his hand, nails in his feet, a crown of thorns on his head. They will pierce him in his side, and blood <laughs> would come running down, all because he had you in mind. And this is what I want to tell you. You ought to celebrate that you get to experience God's holiness beyond a curtain. The curtain was torn in two, and you all you got to do is say, Father, I want to be with you. I want to experience your glory. I want to experience your power. I want to experience you. And when I'm experiencing you, I see how holy you are, but I see how wretched I am. But then I can celebrate that you gave your life for the wretched man that I am. You benefit from a tree. That was cut down. But that tree has significance only because of the one who occupies it. <laughs> May your life be filled with God.